0: Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day that you have touched our hearts and our lives. We ask you, O Lord, to remind us that we are your children and that you you have sent your Son to die for us, to redeem us from our sins, and that that we, we are called to live each day called to live each day in your word, in your promises, and to walk in the way of salvation that we might be a witness to the world around us. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you again for touching us with your spirit as we look forward to that day of of Pentecost where we celebrate the bestowal of your Holy Spirit to the world. Again, Lord, we come before you as your humble servants looking to you in all things. Father, we pray, guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're drawing to the close of the Easter season. And we see throughout this season of Easter that people have been encountering Jesus. We saw the women at the tomb, the the disciples on the road to Emmaus, the upper room. And Jesus continues to walk and to meet with his disciples and to, again, uh, encounter them in a way that they can see the reality of the resurrection, but also in a way that he can challenge them to live uh, no longer for this world. Uh, but for the gospel of Jesus Christ in incredible ways. And so, Lord, we pray that again you would guide us in the same way. Encountering Jesus is what we're all about. It's important for us to know uh, that, that Jesus is with us every day. And as we encounter other people in our world, he is there with us. And, and sometimes we forget that. We think that witnessing our faith or sharing our faith, it, it all falls on our shoulders and it's all up to us and we're by ourselves. And, and sometimes then we begin to act out of fear or concern. We can learn a lot from Paul today from our first reading in Acts where he's in Athens, which is a very cosmopolitan city, and it says that his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. And so as he sees all of the things that that people are worshiping, he is provoked, if you will, to begin passionately sharing Christ with people. Now think about that we every day in our lives we see the idols of this world the idols that people bow down to the idols that people spend their money and their time and their energy with those true objects of worship in our culture and in our society many of which have been stripped away from people during this time of of isolation And so where do we turn? Well, Paul was invited to go to the Areopagus for discussion. It's a a place, it's a hillside. You can still go there today. There's a big uh, plaque, if you will, on the stone you can see there that literally records Paul's words. Of course, if you go and you read it, you're going to have a little problem because it's written in Greek. But it records his words. This is that famous Mars Hill, if you will, and it's a, it's a place where, where people went. And they dialogued and they discussed, and Paul is looking around at all of the stones and altars and all of the things that they've built up, and, and he's beginning to expose the falseness of it, although in gentle and in kind ways, which, which reminds us of the words from Peter today, which says that we should uh, do it with gentleness and respect. And that's what Paul is doing. And he begins to address them with the whole idea of the altar to the unknown God. And he begins to talk to them about a living God, a God that's not made from stone or wood or the materials of this world, but a God who is the creator of this world and all things in it. Now, was Paul successful? With some people, yes, they came back and they asked him more. Others just dismissed him outright. It's the same responses we're gonna get in our world today, but it's that whole idea that again, we should be a people who are bearing witness to Jesus Christ in our lives. I love the words of 1 Peter who says, "'Now who is there to harm you "'if you are zealous for what is good?' In other words, that we should have passion for what is good, right and salutary in our own lives. And too often we as Christians walk around silent. We're afraid to let people know that we're a Christian. We try to our best, without even thinking about it, to blend in with the rest of the culture and the world around us. And yet we are to be passionate in sharing our faith. And I, I think that now is an especially important time to begin to give people hope in a world that's kind of shut down, in a world where people just don't know exactly what's coming next. We know who Christ is, and we know what Christ is all about. And we have opportunity to share that hope with the world. And Peter reminds us that even, even if we should suffer for doing what is right, even if we should suffer for righteousness' sake, if you will, we are blessed. Have no fear of those who can persecute you. Have no fear of those who speak ill against you. Have no fear of those who mock you for righteousness' sake. Jesus reminds us of that in the Sermon on the Mount. For what? We are blessed. The kingdom of heaven is ours. Don't be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord. In other words, in our lives as Christians, we are often shaped through our suffering. The hard things that we go through at one period in our lives, the things where, the times when we think God has left us or abandoned us or God is not there, God is working and shaping and molding these, these uh, uncured, unfired pots of clay so that He uh, knows what's in front of us so He can prepare us for what's to come. The things that we go through, the things that we suffer prepare us. Even Peter's denial of Jesus those three times on the night when he was betrayed. Even the running away from the cross helped to shape Peter. To give him all boldness so that a mere, uh, less than two months later, he can stand up in the midst of the temple courts and begin to preach Jesus and be arrested and persecuted for doing so. Imprisoned and jailed. What changed in Peter? What switch flipped? Well, he's shaped through the suffering, and the Holy Spirit's working to shape and to mold him, and the Holy Spirit's the one who fills him on Pentecost and motivates him. Well, the Holy Spirit also fills us. And the Holy Spirit works and shapes us in our lives as well. First Peter reminds us, But in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect. It is that whole idea of having those answers It's the boldness that Christ draws out of people, even in some of the healing miracles that he did. And we studied that a little bit earlier this morning. It's asking that question, do you believe? Do you have faith? Can you live in that faith and walk in that faith? Can you breathe in that faith and embrace that faith? Embrace the presence of Christ in your life who walks with you. The Holy Spirit who gives you that breath. That's the encouragement. And as we share our faith with all boldness, it doesn't mean that we are one of those Christians who does it in, in uh, inappropriate ways. We see that in our world today where Christians are inappropriate in sharing their faith. We see those who are out there uh, picketing or saying mean things or doing wrong things. And unfortunately, they do it in the name of Jesus and it gives all of us a bad name. But rather, we are those who do it with gentleness and respect, loving one another and loving those in the world around us. I believe that many more people are brought to the gospel of Jesus Christ with love than with harsh words. In fact, when you look at it, Jesus in the gospels, he's always using those words of love and forgiveness. The harsh words are directed at at the religious leaders of the day. Those who call themselves believers but are so far from him. It's interesting in these words for 1 Peter as as we begin to even apply them to our own lives that one of the questions comes up that that Peter begins to answer. Why did Jesus have to die? People will ask that question. How does the death of a man 2,000 years ago impact my life today? Why did Jesus have to die? And Peter answers that question for us. He says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. See, that's why he had to die. The only way for us to be brought to God is through a cross, through a cross where he suffered for our sins and poured out his grace and mercy to us. And you notice how Jesus went to that cross He went to that cross with gentleness, with respect, even for those who were putting the nails through His hands and His feet. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He had to suffer because there's nothing that you can do or I can do to wash away our own sins. Only the blood of the Lamb, the firstborn unblemished Lamb of God, Only Jesus can take our sins away. He's the righteous who died for the unrighteous so that we can be carried in his arms through the gates of heaven into all of eternity. He was put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit and in the flesh in order to make us alive as well. And though one day when we die, these these bodies fail us, we know that we have life in eternity with Jesus Christ. Life is what he holds in his hands. He's the master of it. And death has no power over him. In fact, he bridged that separation between us and God. He bridged that chasm of death and that chasm of separation with the cross. So much so that he went and preached to the saints in hell. Excuse me, to the prisoners in hell. And we as the saints of God, we benefit by knowing that that hell is not in our future. But heaven is. We're heaven bound because we believe and trust in him. Do you believe, he asks. Yes, I believe. What is it that we believe? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God who suffered and died for the forgiveness of my sins and the sins of the whole world that all who believe in you shall not perish but have everlasting life. Did Jesus have to die? Yes. He had to die for you. He had to die for me. And why? Because he loved us. And so what do we do? As Peter reminds us, we love We love the world and we love the way that Jesus loved and we give ourselves in a way that that proclaims the same gospel that he proclaimed in hell. We proclaim to this world that oftentimes oftentimes we refer to as hell on earth sometimes. We proclaim to the people who are dead in this world, dead to sin and dead to eternity because they've denied Jesus or walked away from him. We still proclaim it. Even if we still stink like stinky, even if the world turns its nose at us and turns around and walks away, it doesn't mean that we stop sharing or that we stop uh, um, reaching out with the gospel. It means that we continue to do so. We can't control how the world reacts. The world's going to react in a variety of ways. They're going to react in anger. They're going to pick up the stones like they did for Stephen. They're going to turn away with, that's nonsense, like others do. But we stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we continue to proclaim to this world, because, you see, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit in the waters of baptism. And we've been washed clean, and we live with the righteousness of Christ in our hearts and in our lives. We live in the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and who sits at the right hand of God. We're going to celebrate that ascension in a little while. There's one verse that's not in our lesson today, but still needs to be there and needs to be shared. Take a moment to read this. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Even the Son of God committed Himself to the Father. We commit ourselves to Jesus Christ. We don't revile, we don't rebuke in a way that is hostile, but again, as we share the faith of Christ, we live in Him and we move in Him and in Him we have our being. And that means we are like Christ to the world around us. That's what Paul reminds us of as he's talking to those people on Mars Hill. In him, we live, we move, we have our being. Our very existence belongs to him. Our lives belong to him. His spirit is in us and moves in us and dwells in us so that we can serve him in this world. It's not about us. It's about him. And it's about sharing him with the world. So, one final thought today that I want to leave you with. And that is, if we live in Him and move in Him and have our being, another way of saying that in today's language is, is we have Jesus uh, 24-7, 365. We don't just have Jesus in worship on a Sunday morning or on particular days in Bible study during the week. We have Jesus, and he's in our lives guiding and influencing us 24-7, 365. And if you're in a leap year, 366, which is exactly what this year is. So you don't even get a day off from him anywhere, even in a leap year. He's there. And he's in our hearts and in our lives. And we are walking with Jesus each and every day. So when you're sharing your faith in this difficult and challenging world, remember that you're not alone. Jesus is with you. And so have that, that spirit of Christ in you. And be provoked to live and to share and to breathe. Grab a hold of that word zealous and begin to learn what that means. That the world can't do anything to us when we are in Christ. So in him, in him and through him, we live every day. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all of our human understanding keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen. Please stand as you are able, even at home, and join with us as we confess our common Christian faith in the ancient words of the Apostles' Creed.